and welcome to this episode of Turkish TV Time. Today we're going to be talking about ethos or bir başkadır, um, which in Spanish has another name. Yeah, it's, it's something like we first met in Istanbul or meet me in Istanbul or something like that. Okay. Um, and we watched the first episode for today. So we're going to be talking about that and all the titles and all the uh, background about it too. And um, today I'm not drinking any tea, although I should because I literally just <laughs> rolled out of bed. What about you guys? <laughs> Same, and that's why I'm not drinking anything. I've been up for a few hours and I had tea a few hours ago. Don't, don't <laughs> have it right now. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, well, keep we it. We should the also note that we're time. all on, on different time zones, though, too. <laughs> yeah, so that does make things more uh, confusing. And um, I also should admit that I'm an idiot and <laughs> watched the wrong show before this. So I watched the Taylor instead of Ethos. And while friends uh, don't watch the Taylor would be my recommendation. It was really rough and not what I expected. But um, that is luckily not what we're talking about. So yay. <laughs> you really took a bullet for us, Sammy. You... <laughs> Oof, man, guys, it was rough. Um, okay, so now I'm going to go through what happened in this episode. Feel free to correct me, stop me, interrupt me, whatever. Okay, so we start, first of all, it starts off with no dialogue for like a really long time. So um, that's interesting choice. So we have um, a lady, uh, she's wearing a headscarf, she's like commuting, she walks through a park, she's on a train, she's on a bus, and then she ends up in a snazzy skyscraper. Um, and she goes into uh, an apartment, she tries to go in the bathroom, there's somebody there, and um, she pulls a note out of her purse and looks at it and then passes out. And it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's like, it's implied that she's the housekeeper. She clearly could have been something else, but implied she's the housekeeper. So then it's the title screen flashes up, says one year ago, and she's in a therapist's office and the doctor sent her there because of fainting spells, which we have just seen an example of. And she's extremely chatty, which is funny because we spent such a long time without her talking. Um... But her name is Maryam, and she has fainted three different times whilst watching weddings or watching TV shows about weddings. So I think we have a psychological reason here, Maryam. Um, she just chats and chats and chats and chats. She lives with her brother, Yasin, in their grandfather's house, and his wife, who is sick but not hospital sick, they just um, go to their hoja, who is like an elder at the mosque. I don't think he was the imam. He's just like. He might be. He, he might be. He probably be. is. Yeah. Okay. Might be slash is the imam. <laughs> um, and the, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of discussions that we will get into about um Islam and her hoja and whether she's allowed to go to a psychologist and how her sister is sick and doesn't need the hospital, just needs the hoja's wisdom. And she basically takes care of the house. She also works as a housekeeper for 
um, three different families or three different houses. And um, she mentions this guy, Sinan, a couple of times, but every time the therapist asks her to talk about Sinan, she like completely goes another direction, doesn't want to talk about him, ignores her, whatever. Um, and so I, we assume from the conversation about coffee that he's a client. We don't learn get to learn anything more because Maryam is very uncomfortable and leaves to pick up her niece. Um, she gets home and her sister-in-law is praying and she like has a kind of odd reaction to it, but goes out for a walk and goes to talk to the Hoja. Um, Hoja talks about flowers from Taiwan. There's a lot of talking. Uh, he gives her a beautiful metaphor about fake flowers, real flowers. And she neglects to tell him that she did see the the therapist. She's like, tells him, oh yeah, I'll tell you the second I see them, but doesn't tell him. So that's very interesting. Um, let's see. Okay, then we have the therapist who... Her name is P Para Perry. Oh, I hey. forgot. Perry. Okay. Perry. Um. So Perry, uh, is meeting with another therapist. So she's having therapy, and she is talking about Miriam as a client and says that when she gets, um, covered women, she's discriminates against them and she can't help herself even though she knows she's discriminating. She has this long thing about how great Peru is and how she felt more comfortable in Peru than she does with this covered woman, even though they're from the same country. And it's I will really say that the, the, yeah. the, I know she says like discrimination, like she uses that word, but I would say it's like more like she just, she does, she's severely prejudiced against them. I don't think she like goes out of her way to like actively be mean or abusive. Right. Because she's, right. But like, yeah, she's like, as she, she's like totally judging Mariam and like everyone who who looks like her um, based on only how they look. So, and of course the whole jet talk didn't really help, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yes. Prejudice. She's, she knows it's wrong, but she can't stop herself. Um, and she, she basically is like, well, she's not coming back. So it doesn't matter. I don't have to fix myself. And then her friend slash therapist, Gubin, is like very frustrated when she leaves. And we're like, what's going on? But then as Perry walks out of the waiting room, she sees a covered woman. And it turns out that that is Gubin's sister. So awkward, very awkward. And uh, that relationship's going to be a mess going forward, I guess. Um, then we see... Uh, we see um, this that woman who's Gubin's sister. We don't, I don't think we learn her name, and her husband in the car just like it's another G name, but I can't remember what it was, like Gelsen or something. Like I, I, I have retained none of these names apparently. Oh, so. oh yes, okay, yes, Gulan, Gulan, I think. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, she's with her husband. They're just like you know, friendly arguing with each other, and that's kind of all we get from them. They also speak know. Kurdish from time to time. So there's like a, another element of identity here. It's not only a religious family, but they're also Kurdish. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. So then the last bit we see Gubin um, at her boyfriend's house. And 
they she tells him about petty which is like so it's just like a whole list of people telling people about things they should be telling them about but whatever and then uh, she stays over with him and then um Mariam walks into the apartment because we realize that this is an apartment she cleans and also that this is the Sinan that she won't talk about so it ends by bringing everything together and that is the end of the episode We're going to move into the gossip slash banter slash uh sipping our non-existent tea or spilling our non-existent tea yeah i there's i wanted to give a shout out because there's a, a couple of actors that are in other of our shows mm, okay none was the evil co-worker in uh, ben Cree. um oh okay and yeah then the sister-in-law can't remember where we've seen her but she was in the protector as the big bad like the lady big oh, bad yeah, um, oh. yeah. with the yeah, I, for- I forget yeah i forgot her name in the in that show but yeah she was like the immortal who was like extra betrayed <laughs> and then came back <laughs> with a vengeance yeah <laughs> the uh, the psychologist we've also seen she was like the network head in um as the crow flies but she looks a little bit different there she's like oh and her therapist friend who's sinan's girlfriend is also in um masum yes she's the wife in masum yeah yeah and and, uh we haven't seen the brother yet the the you know mayam's um brother but he is uh the older version of one of the kids in love 101 um the adult version of one of the kids in love 101 so yeah they they were really going through the same bunch of actors yeah um i also thought that like it would be like it's interesting to highlight something you didn't mention in the recap but like the psychologist thinks that mayam is in love with sinan also because she's judging all the women that he brings home which that's the same perception that I got. And that like the, the awkward silence at the start is because Mariam didn't speak for the first 15 minutes of the, of the, of the consult. Like she had to make small talk with her to get her to like start talking. Cause she wasn't going to start talking on her own. Right. Um, Cause she is chatty, but I think like, well, at least what the show is trying to show us is that she's from a rural area. She's like very conservative and like going to a psychologist to her is like the most far-fetched and insane thing um that could ever occur and that's probably like she she doesn't even understand what a psychologist does at first I feel like like the psychologist has to like try to understand why she's there um because she I mean Maryam doesn't seem to understand why she would be an at a psychologist and she's also trying to get out of there as soon as possible she's like I need to go pick up my niece like does the 24 bus actually come through here um so my assumption there would be that she like looks like is either scared or like looks down upon going to the psychologist which I feel like is still a pretty common um attitude in like most countries where like going to the psychologist why would I need to I'm not crazy or whatever 
yeah it sounds like it seems like both like she is also both scared and like skeptical at the same time so yeah not a good combination yeah it's it's weird because I don't know if you guys got the same like vision but it feels like Miriam is like really like she thinks that everything like happens to her she doesn't feel like she has any agency over things even though like she starts showing like her little bits of agency when she like hides that she went to the psychologist from the hoja and those sorts of things but from what she says like in the consult it's like my brother tells me to do this like I want I like take care of the kids like it seems like she doesn't have a very clear like way to control her life or like make decisions about what she wants I think that's how she I think I agree with you I think she's narrating her life that way because she thinks it's like the proper way or the way it should be like that's how she should tell people she goes about her life but yeah she definitely has more agency than she like publicly announces like also I mean minor spoiler maybe like the hoja like yes he's very conservative obviously like i would not see eye to eye with him on like probably 95 percent things but like as the show develops there's no like bad characters there's no like antagonists like he's not a bad guy he's just been raised a certain way and he has certain worldviews that don't agree with you know people like uh Pede or or whatever um or Sinan probably um and similarly the older brother not a bad guy he's just you know comes his background is just very different um and he also like isn't I from what I remember he's not like a bad older brother or like very controlling or crazy so yeah I think Mariam kind of has a perception of maybe how like a woman should an unmarried woman especially should like <laughs> be narrating her life to strangers uh I don't think like her life is necessarily like that and I don't think like the people around her are, like trying to make life hell for her just because she's a woman or whatever as many people like Peter would imagine um so it's uh, yeah what I like about this show is how complex everyone is and how th- three-dimensional um and it's nice to not have antagonists because a lot of dramas tend to have like you know a crazy ultra conservative person and Mm -hmm. they're just like all bad it's it's like that's not how real life is most of the time so yeah and that's also a hundred percent what I was imagining because the therapist says oh her brother is a maniac yeah yeah she just assumed that yeah just from like how much Maya mentioned him but like yeah (laughs) yeah and and also like um I guess I, we don't know what the wife has, but it seems like she has depression or something like that. Yeah, she, really severe, it seems. Yeah, yeah. In in the consultation, um, Miriam talks about a neighbor that had depression and how she went to the psychologist. And but to me, it's odd that like she's going, but her sister in law is not going. Like that was also kind of surprising to me. And I wonder if that's just because of how the brother um, views mental health or because like also I feel like it's still very relatable because in most of the world mental health is such a taboo still that like it's not unusual for someone to not want to go to the psychiatrist or to not want to like consult a mental health specialist like that's just how it was and it has been for a really long time but I think it's odd that like her sister-in-law doesn't like either that means that Miriam has much more agency than she than she has portrayed till now or the sister-in-law like 
her brother just views things very differently i don't know it's my I mean, my uh, theory about that was that marianne had the fainting happen in front of witnesses multiple mm-hmm. times which is like a very physical symptom a physical manifestation of whatever the underlying kind of mental health issue is and uh the sister-in-law is just like quote-unquote lazy or you know sleepy or sad like it's like mm-hmm. it's all like it's like very like oh well can't you just be happy like it's that kind of thing versus like oh she Mariam is actually fainting there might be something wrong with like her brain in terms of like something quote-unquote physical um yeah. that's my that was my impression because the hoja was all because when Mariam was telling Pedro about it she was like the hoja said if the doctor recommends I see a psychologist then I should and you know right. of course then tell him everything so I think he was he saw it more as a physical ailment and he doesn't probably believe that the mental stuff is just as important and, and equally serious. Yeah. Well, it was also the doctor who said like, you need to go see a psych. A psych- yeah. So, yeah. Basically said, we're not going to be able to fix you. So go to the psychologist. So that also makes sense. Um, I also like, wanted to discuss why this why Gulbin is like so over petty like yeah get... it was a lot she was like pretty nasty about her friend. yeah that's I, I got the same feeling and I I mean I, I guess the show hints at the fact that it's because her family also is religious but I didn't quite understand why she was so frustrated like I feel what petty is saying is like you know, some of us have like biases that we can't control. And it's, I mean, I'm not going to say it's normal, but like it can happen. Like, especially if you're a care provider, you're a psychologist, like it could be like, oh, I have a big bias against like, I don't know, like women who like are married, have been married for 10 years. I don't know, whatever. Like, I feel like those sorts of biases like can exist and develop. And I think we all have those sorts of biases about people that behave a certain way. Like, I don't know if somebody said they were a Trump supporter, then you're a, psychi- a psychologist. Like, <laughs> that would be how tough. Would you to that? Really tough. Um, so, like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I know that obviously, like, religious, just like bias and those sorts of things aren't like acceptable in a way, but like, it's inevitable that all humans will have some sort of bias towards certain things. And think- isn't it the responsible thing that she's like realizing that it's there and trying to talk it out? Yeah, but she's not. She, like, ends the conversation as soon as Gudvin, like, tries to guide her into, like, seeing how it's absurd that shamanism in Peru is somehow more civilized, quote-unquote, than Islam. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, the Hoja's interpretation of Islam. Like, it's a total, like, they're, they're they're both religions. Like, they're, like, you know, they equally don't make sense or they equally make sense um, to their adherence. Uh, I think Gudvin's was more of a compounding of such conversations. I don't think this is the first time uh, Pede has said this. And I bet she hasn't said it necessarily in a session. I bet she said it out in public. I bet Mm -hmm. she's said it over the years multiple times. Um, Also, Gudvin has probably, she probably has a lot of friends who think this and say stuff like this, like all the time. Um, Like it's very common for like someone with a headscarf to walk by in Turkey in a certain neighborhood, like in a more liberal neighborhood. And then people sitting in a cafe, like all kind of huddle together. And they're like, Oh, did you see that? Like totally like, you know, uncivilized person or that totally, you know, backwards person walk by. Like it's so normal. Unfortunately, this kind of discrimination against anyone who appears to be 
conservative. And then likewise, on the flip side, like if someone who looks like me walked through a more conservative neighborhood, I'm sure the same thing would happen um, in the opposite direction. So it's a very polarized society, unfortunately. Um, so I'm guessing Goodman was just like, this was like the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> it's just like one too many stupid pity rants about how, you know, every, she's these people are, you know, less than her. Um, so I don't know. I, I saw it as a microcosm of like the two kind of sides of the coin in Turkey, that, that entire, that entire scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I think it also talks to like the big economic disparity that there's in the country. And I can like relate to that very much, like even here in Colombia, how like there's people that, you know, go and study abroad and they probably like under like understand and view the world in a way that's like so absurd in the sense that like they've never seen how people actually live in their country and how the majority of people actually live in their country and like they're making assumptions and making decisions about their lives based on like the 1% of their country and I think that's very common like people again will get polarized by social class like it'll be very hard for social classes to communicate amongst each other just because also each social class has so much more bias about the other one um and I think I mean it's crazy there was a a reality show here and this is going to sound like a tangent but it's not that much of a tangent and it was like (laughs) it's like a survivor type show and people were divided by like social class and like there was like beach like there's the different beaches and then there's like the high class beach their middle class beach and the low lower class beach and like yeah, like the, the people from different social classes could go to the different beaches according if they win or lose challenges. But like, it's such a crazy way to present something on TV that if if you're the producer, I don't know if you want to create drama or if you just don't realize like how this might be like reinforcing those gaps. Because like what was what was interesting and I watched this when I was really small is like, for example, the people from the like the lower, I'm using quotes, lower class, because I have no clue how they chose people for each of these things. They were like, yeah, like rich people suck, whatever. And so like you're like reinforcing all of these tropes on TV, but like you're also kind of showing that every social group has stereotypes about every other social group. And like, I guess they're trying they're trying to show that like you, I mean, working together, whatever, like competing together can like transcend social boundaries. Um but it's like a, a weird and reductionist way to present something, like at least at first glance. And um, I think even in the U.S., it has become more pronounced recently, like the different be- the difference between social classes, because I think part of the American dream was showing like a classless society. But like that has always been fake. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I'm a huge Survivor fan. And it's funny the way they disguised having the exact same format here is they called it um white collar blue collar no collar because it it's you know pretending that the class system doesn't exist and basing it just on your employment so just a more dressed up way of doing it but they did the exact same thing that's (laughs) i i think the social class like from a purely economic standpoint in turkey is also like it's not like i don't want listeners or viewers of the show with not that much context to think that only secular appearing people like Pede are the wealthy actually the and I guess I'll get to this in the history section a little bit but for 20 plus years the political party in power has been 
Islamist, it, the the AKP. Um, it's also a corrupt party. So a lot of their cronies, their people who support them, have been getting their you know pockets filled for some time. Um, independent of that, there's also plenty of rich people who are rich. Um, you know, not necessarily getting rich because they're doing favors for the government, but they're also like conservative. Like, you know, there's also just like rich people who are not bribing anyone and who are, <laughs> you know, I would also be religiously conservative. So like, there's a lot, what I'm just trying to say is there's a lot of very powerful, very rich people in Turkey who would be more aligned to like the Hoja's view of the world than Pedis. Um, But there's also a lot of secular, a lot of secular people who are of, of lower social classes or are like Peru who are clearly like very rich from birth. Um, it's it's really just like a it's like an ideological divide. Um, but of course, when the uh, people like Peru act really elitist and they're also known to be rich, it like definitely rubs <laughs> the majority of the country in a, in the wrong way. Um, so it, and it it doesn't help uh, with the the cause of, you know, hey, wouldn't a secular government be a good thing? It's like people see people like her and they're like, oh no, that's, I, don't want, I don't want these right. elitists running the country. Yeah. Um, so it's very complicated. Um, I guess it's the same in the US though. I mean, there's plenty of Trump supporters who are ultra wealthy. Um, so it doesn't really, <laughs> doesn't really necessarily like determine um, yeah. your income level. Well, and, and here it's more like, the rich people were the more conservative people for a long time. And um, that's been, I mean, it was, it was both ways. Cause there was a big like political divide with like wars and everything where there was a conservative and the liberal party and people literally, literally killed each other because of it. And it started with most of the rich people being conservative, but then there were rich people who were also liberal. So it's like, I think there's still kind of a stereotype that if you have money, you're, I mean, at least you're, you're like economically conservative because you don't want to be taxed. You don't want to like do a lot of things. And, and at least like the older generations, even if they're liberal, they're probably not going to be okay with a lot of different things that are happening in the country. And the like learned class, like the political class for a long time was like all educated abroad, all like you know, people that like were sent away when they were like eight years old to like boarding school or weird, like very niche <laughs> sub like subsets of the population. And that's changed a lot, particularly with the current government, but still, I mean, I think the current government brings out a lot of like the bias that people have in terms of like race, in terms of social class, in terms of, um, you know, having people like having something be more inclusive, like people don't want everyone to be included. And I think that's a trend anywhere you go. Yep. Okay. So anything else about the show that we want to talk about? I think the, um, I'm very interested to see what they do with the Sinan crush plot. Like that could go a lot of really bad ways but I know that people love this show and respect it so I'm sure that it won't but um a very S- Sinan just doesn't he didn't have a good like first impression I think in this episode. He was so sleazy. He's, <laughs> yeah he's very sleazy so yeah Mariam definitely deserves better uh than having a crush on that oh my god <laughs> but... the couch on the like zebra rug that was yeah 
yeah i thought well, they were like, like in a nightclub but they were just at his disgusting house yeah, <laughs> <his> living room <laughs> where there's female underwear everywhere that she has apparently yeah <laughs> but also like how sick is this like internalized misogyny right like it's not it's not even just like mariam like coming from where she comes from like i feel like a lot of women regardless of their background would be judging the uh, the women he's sleeping with for like leaving their underwear versus him for like why are you why do you have so many like sex partners <laughs> yeah. like, like he gets no he gets no judgment but ladies leaving their undergarments um after taking them off for a pretty like normal reason um get judged but i mean that's again that's not like because i don't think mayam thinks that because necessarily of her background i think it's just like societally women just judge women <laughs> way way yeah. harshly yeah um way more that's harshly. why everyone needs to watch the barbie movie yes oh my I god saw it i haven't week. watched it great i'm watching it today oh yay you're you gonna love you it. won't be disappointed it's so good honestly huge red flag if anyone says they didn't like it that's, <laughs> yeah. where I'm at. that's what i think now after seeing the movie like if you don't like it then you hate women like <laughs> that's, so that's it oh, i'm pretty god. sure i'm not surprised though well okay if you don't like it for like its content like if you say oh i didn't like i don't agree with how some of the scenes were shot or i didn't like you know this particular nerd yeah then you're just a movie nerd and that's okay but like (laughs) if you're like wow the message of this movie hate it then i'm like okay so bye (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that's extremely fair (laughs) yeah um okay anything else we should talk about here um wait I I might have something else let me think I would say the only characters that I'm like I don't really understand why they were introduced is um Gudbin's sister and her husband who are like in the car they don't really do anything there's not really any reason that we needed to have that scene with them except that I'm sure they'll come into the future yeah I think it was just to introduce they just seem really wealthy based on her purse and that car there's also at least no there's a few characters we haven't met yet so there will be more people introduced yeah more people who are like oh god how will you walk this very like precarious tightrope between your identities those kinds of people (laughs) it's like very (laughs) the show show is like just a microscope on Turkish society it doesn't like necessarily offer any resolutions but it just makes you think about your biases at least it did for me so yeah I really like it this sounds, show. it sounds very interesting I yeah. can like relate to some of the conversations that have been had we can discuss it later off mic <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's a bit controversial to say on mic but Sophia's got <laughs> lots of hot takes Sophia's got all the hot takes <laughs> including that she hates the barbie movie oh no 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 never i saw a really cute tweet about like how a, a little girl was asking her mom about um what was the patriarchy after watching the movie and i was like that's my kind of movie i really yes. I know what the patriarchy is when yeah, I- you Okay, so now that we've demolished the patriarchy, we are going to move on (laughs) into the history section where we're going to talk about the recent election in Turkey and how um, unbelievably 
kind of prescient some of these conversations seem given recent results. Yeah, yeah. Our recent, our first, uh, probably our most recent history section. Uh, we're only going back yeah. a couple months. Um, so yeah, I, I as everyone who listens to this is probably like somewhat aware slash you know in hope I would I would hope that in general people were somewhat aware of like there was an election in Turkey that was very important um, in May. But just to give some context, so as I mentioned earlier, the party in power uh, led by um, the current president, re- recently reelected president Recep Tayyip Erdogan is called the Justice and Development Party, AKP, are the letters in, in Turkish, um, or AK Parti, as, as they prefer to be called, because AK is, means white and it means like clean and pure and it's it's they like it for propaganda reasons. So I will say AKP because they like that less. Um, <laughs> I'm very much obviously um, opposition minded. Um, so the the going into the election for the past several years, um, inflation in Turkey has completely gone out of control. Um, meanwhile, people's you know earning wages have not obviously increased, so buying power is insanely low. Um, I always try to explain it to people who you know don't live in Turkey or haven't lived in extremely high inflation situations as imagining you know the dollar the the U.S. dollar, the value of the dollar that you earn in the U.S. Um, but then suddenly you go to the supermarket and um, a loaf of bread costs, you know, $12 or something like it's like insane. Like you would never pay $12 with what a dollar is worth today in the U.S. Uh, for something as simple as a non-fancy, like not an artisan loaf of bread, just like a normal <laughs> loaf of bread. Um, or, you know, you're, you want to go to a concert and it's like a thousand dollars for a ticket. Um, like unless it's, and it's not like Taylor Swift era's tour, like really hard to get ticket. It's just like a concert, um, not that great of a seat. So it's incredibly difficult and it has been, uh, for several years, it's getting worse and worse because, uh, Erdogan was very anti- interest um he's a conservative muslim um the quran uh forbids interest obviously the quran is a very old uh book so it's not it wasn't written in today's economic uh standards and uh therefore i would say that one-to-one copying what it says there is not really like that sound in today's conditions and that's what turkey is finding out as inflation continues to spiral out of control um, and at this point it's not going to be a quick fix right even if they they should probably have about 40% interest rates in Turkey right now. Even if they did that right now, it would still take years for it to bounce back. So it's, it's in a very deep economic crisis. Usually economic crises, especially like if you think in the US, like the midterm elections that happened in 2022, like inflation was like kind of worse than it's been. And people were freaking out and like, there, everyone thought there would be a red wave because Democrats have been in power and now there's inflation. Um, in Turkey, we kind of, we being people like me who are opposition minded had the same assumption that look things are as bad for people's pockets pocketbooks as they've ever been um you know worse than they've ever been really um and on top of that we had the devastating earthquake on february 6th that impacted 11 provinces in the southeast of turkey um official death toll north of 50,000 lives um unofficial death toll based on number you know the number of buildings that were completely destroyed is is probably close to 200k um based on you know again not government official release sources but just the number of cell phones that have been completely out of service 
in that amount of time, the number of buildings that were completely demolished um, by the earthquake. So you've got massive, de- you've got a massive, deadly natural disaster that happened as a result of, you know, not very unsound building policies by the pa- party that's been in power for two decades. Um, also very poor re- rescue um effort you know very late to start very poorly executed people dying in the rubble from cold or you know just being hungry for days because no one came for them a lot of anger over that in the months leading up to the election plus again the worsening economic crisis people like me who are opposition minded were like this is it like this is the moment that the AKP even despite you know all the people in Turkey who are you know in favor of the more conservative religious policies that this party represents, despite of Erdogan's, to me inexplicable popularity as a persona, um, people like love his like he's kind of like Trump and his very crass like talking, t- you know, talking in a very kind of com- quote unquote common way, in or you know vulgar way. Qu- quite frankly, people like that. Um, it's the strongman persona, I guess that that many people like. I thought despite of all that, in spite of all that natural disaster, economic disaster, this is it. Unfortunately, that's not how it played out Um, in an almost 50-50 election. um, I mean, it was like, I think it was like 48-52 or 49-51, just barely on the the second round, the runoff election, the AKP won. and the worst thing I think that happened after that, for for me, the worst thing was seeing the opposition party, a co- parties, excuse me, a coalition of six parties plus a couple that weren't officially in the coalition but had endorsed the coalition. It all crumbled like immediately. They had no plan B. They had no scenario mapped out where what happens if the AKP wins. Um, they had so much hubris and so much confidence that you know, look, things are bad and people are going to be, you know going to only think about those things and not their, again, the the things about Erdogan that people like me maybe can't quite understand why his voters like those things so much that they would still vote for him, or how much they hate the secular part of Turkey and what the opposition represents. So I certainly haven't diagnosed like what's going on. Um, and I think there will be like years of scholarship on this, on like how secular turkey or opposition-minded turkey got it so wrong um but we did and there is a total kind of i don't know how we bridge this gulf but there's a total gulf between essentially one half of the country and the other um and this show i think just to bring it back to the show we're talking about so i'm not just like ranting about this election (laughs) um i think ethos does a great job of showing that it's just a massive kind of crevasse that for like the century that Turkey, the Republic of Turkey has existed, um, no one has quite been able to bridge. I think Atatürk came the closest um, in terms of like how almost universally like he was loved and his death was mourned and all this stuff. I I think since then it's been incredibly like my side, your side. Um, there hasn't been a strong unifying figure. Um, and it's especially polarized in this moment. I mean, a 50-50 election outcome is probably like the worst thing because it just shows exactly half of the country doesn't agree with exactly half of the country. Um, thankfully, there's been no, you know, serious violence or anything like that. Um, 
which is another thing like sociologically I'm like with these economic conditions like the French would be like the guillotines would be out but like <laughs> you know for some reason everything would be on fire <laughs> yes yeah exactly but they raised they tried to and it is though age. yeah it is they, on fire yeah they tried to raise like the retirement age and stuff right and like everyone was on the streets in France it's like very different mindset over there I guess I don't know um so yeah I, I think the show does a great job of showing that look there are these very ingrained biases on both sides um the secular side isn't like a bunch of angels who are like enlightened and know exactly what's best um because they they haven't been able to convince like the other half that you know it's better to have a government that doesn't legislate religion um or that takes a more you know i wouldn't say the secular part of turkey is actually the secular understanding in turkey is hands off it's more like deliberately trying to not bring <laughs> uh islam or any religion into things um i would say the u.s is more like quote-unquote hands-off um it's i don't know these are all very subtle differences that are that are probably not doing a good job of explaining but um yeah I, I, so the kind of the hubris of the secular opposition in this last election, I think very much mirrors like Pitt's rant about Mariam. Um, because I mean, the the candidate who was running against Adon, he basically disappeared for two weeks. And then he finally, he didn't really like concede. He just kind of like disappeared. And then he came on a talk, sh- uh, like a political talk show. And he was like, look, the reason that we didn't win is because all these rural people didn't vote for us. It's like, so you're, you're blaming the voter. Like that's not, you're a politician you don't blame the voter you blame right. yourself for it's not your message right exactly and and to say that it's rural people like sorry sir but you barely want Istanbul like you were pretty much 50 51 49 in your favor in Istanbul which is not rural <laughs> so it's not like a urban rural whatever divide thing it's it's your messaging wasn't effective your party didn't mobilize well to explain to people how your policies would make their quality of life better. Um, so people literally chose the candidate who has made their quality of life very bad for the past several years and continues to make it worse. Uh, so just imagine like how much people thought that the opposition like couldn't help them or that they would somehow make it worse than it already is right now. So yeah, the the kind of the hubris on the secular side, um, again, coupled with forces and charisma and things I don't understand that Erdogan is doing and the AKP is doing um so well, probably like networks of clientelism and like yeah voter like buying buying book votes and, yeah uh, to some extent yeah for sure like There's giving some, of some that, sort yeah. of I mean they've probably given out like subsidies and a lot of things that have motivated people to like yeah it's that idea of like giving a small like improvement to the person's life that's going to be present when they vote rather than like yes. thinking about long-term, like a long-term policies that are totally people's and quality. and what you just said reminded me of the the hojas of the world <laughs> they uh that hoja will probably tell the people in that whole neighborhood i'm gonna vote for so-and-so that's who that's who you need to vote for and they'll all vote they won't even question it so that's that those networks are extremely those kinship and just kind of you know within your neighborhood what do the elders say very powerful um and powerful in a way again that the opposition i don't think weighed and they they probably didn't target the right people the right neighborhoods the right kind of local leaders um for that i've also heard a lot of 
um, you know, kind of behind like political comment, like talking heads who get kind of anonymous um, tips or information from people within the opposition parties have said that the opposition, part, like many people at lower levels, were not even trying. Like the people at the highest levels, like the main candidate and the coalition party leads supporting him, were like out on the streets talking to people and campaigning. But at the lower levels, like people who were like the neighborhood representatives or even the like town representatives, they were just chilling. They were like, oh, we have this in the bag. Like, I don't need to talk to anyone. Oh so, my God. It's like what happened to Hillary. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, the, 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 thought that they have exactly like Hillary's campaign, like, like people won't vote for this guy. Like, come on. Um, wrong. <laughs> you can't assume anything about anyone and you have to do the work. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I think, like I said, I, I'm, I'm not presenting any solutions here. Um, and the show doesn't really present any solutions. I think other than, you know, kind of, it's a little bit of a cheesy message at the end of the day, but I also think it's a valid message to like, you need to listen to other people and you need to like, it doesn't get you, it only gets you so far. Like there's certain, there's certain talk that you shouldn't, you know, tolerate and you shouldn't entertain and give a platform to absolutely, you know, like any kind of um, open racism, any kind of, you know, misogyny, uh, violence, certainly or calls to violence none of those should be given a platform but people still need to like politicians especially still need to articulate you know clearly to everybody um why their viewpoint and why their policy proposals will help them and how they will help them as opposed to being like you're gonna vote for this guy like look how crazy he is like that's not effective messaging so i think you know ethos does a good job of by constructing these three-dimensional characters and kind of telling you or showing you rather not telling you anything showing you that they have these economic issues they have these um these traumas in their past or these ways of being brought up um that are informing how they act today it kind of challenges you to when you go out into your life to like kind of see people as full three-dimensional figures as opposed to like the enemy or you know the person who's not like me and therefore i'm not gonna engage and i'm totally guilty of like not wanting to engage with people i don't agree with i think we all are but um it's i don't know it's something that incrementally maybe we can all strive for um as much again without giving platform to like the toxic and the harmful but so it's really hard stuff um uh, but it's a show that's thought-provoking so i'm glad we're discussing it on this podcast Awesome. Thank you. Agreed. Agreed. I was going to say, like, I don't even know what we're going to do for the what the fuck section, because I don't think there's a lot of what the fuck. Yeah, yeah it's Quinan's living room. That's pretty much it. <laughs> well, that and also um, the fake flower thing was, fake flower thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit far-fetched for me. It made sense in the end, but like it was pretty far-fetched. Yeah. Now we're going to move on to our favorite and final section, which is What the Fuck, Sultan of Success, and Fatima's Hit List, which uh, all three of which might be a little bit tough for the show. We'll see. <laughs> um, I was also wondering, so the Turkish title of this show, Bir Başkadır, is that like, it's another one? 
like I don't really yeah I don't I don't know like where it comes from I was thinking it was maybe from a, a poem or a song lyric but I couldn't find it um yeah it means it literally means it's like something else or or someone else um mm. but you kind of I don't know like I would I would personally use that turn of phrase like if I'm like describing I don't know like a place I really like and I'm like oh it's just it's something else or like a, a food I really like uh, or like okay um so it's like for me it has a very positive connotation but I guess like bashka like kind of has like an other um you know meaning to it as well um uh, so yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe something will jump out at me as we're watching it that'll jog my memory on why it's called that. But yeah, I don't I'm not sure. I, I thought for sure that it was maybe like a song title by that guy at the end who's who's shown play, you know, his music video is shown, but I couldn't find a song that okay. he has in his discography that's called that. That was a real what the fuck to me. Like I didn't understand how that tied into the show. Yeah, me I think too. I, uh he's just a very like well like he's he's been dead for some time now. Um but he's a very Fadio's band is his name. He's a very well liked um artist I would say from like more of the 70s 80s era. Um there's like a nostalgic element to it and also like people from all walks of life really liked him. Um so I think the director, I feel like I saw an interview. I think the director just really likes him and like, kind of like, I don't know, that wasn't a great period in Turkish history either the seventies and eighties, but uh, there's maybe like a little bit of nostalgia there of, you know, the false view that each of us has that the past was somehow like better than how it is right now. Um, but yeah, I, that's my only theory is that there's a nostalgic element to it, but I'm not sure. There's a phrase in Spanish that says every, like anything in the past was better. Mm -hmm. Um, But let me just look and see who, who said that Um, it's because it's just like a phrase. Um, Well, this is not, apparently it's from the Bible. Oh. (laughs) The hell? But it's from the new (laughs) live Bible. Wait, wait, no. It's it's just a popular turn of phrase. Oh. Okay. Good. Yeah, I think I think uh, that's a pretty common view, even though I think in our hearts we know it's not true, but <laughs> it feels that way. <laughs> At least we know what happened, right? We know how the story played out up until this point. Now it's like, oh God, what, what's right. going to happen? <laughs> true. I think that's what it is. It's like better to have known something, even if it's bad, than to deal with the unknown. Yes. Yeah. Yep. know what to expect about mm-hmm. um, do you guys have any what the fucks that we haven't mentioned no I guess our reaction to Gulbin's reaction was a bit what the fuck but now we've <laughs> talked about it a little more it makes sense mm-hmm. okay who is our oh yeah I have one oh, what yeah. the fuck Go for her it. sister smoking <laughs> in the car what the fuck oh what? yeah that is awful. If you've ever lived that, it's the most awful thing. Do not do it. Smoking in the car. Ew. Oh, 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 yeah, gross. That's disgusting. Sultan of success. Oof. Hard. I, I don't know. Sinan. <laughs> no, ew. <laughs> I think ew. it's Maryam because yeah. I like her and she didn't tell Hoja about her therapist appointment. True. Uh, she's rebelling. Like she's dealing a with bit. a lot. Yeah. 
fine. That's fine. <laughs> Pit is definitely like she's the opposite soul of success because she's so oblivious. Well, yeah. is she on Fatwa's hit list? Not for know. me. Yeah, I don't think uh, Sinan's probably a fun. <laughs> That's for me. It's, so for sleazy. me, it's Sinan just based on his interior decor. I don't know anything about the man. Sure, he's great, yeah. but uh, his his choice for furniture and stuff <laughs> is worthy of being on Fatwa's. I, I feel like that actor, based on everything I've seen him, and like he always plays like rich rich kid like playboy types. I don't think he's like unlikable because I've seen him in like interviews or like on other like talk shows as himself and he seems like totally fine but he always plays like pretty unlikable people so <laughs> he just likes his man bun thing which i can't yeah. Yeah. like his half bun yeah. he's always with the half bun yeah that's probably what's got him typecast <laughs> i think the half bun was popular for because didn't they have it on shows like actual and stuff oh too? yeah like, that, <laughs> that was a the historical reference yeah he thinks, <laughs> he thinks he's a con that's gonna like come in on horseback but he's not he's just he's just sinan he's just ken <laughs> he's just ken <laughs> um all right well thank you all so much for listening congratulations to our sultan of success mariam also i want to throw out a quick congratulations to the colombia women's world cup team for their incredible upset against Germany. I can't wait mm-hmm. to watch it, but I've been reading all about it. And watch out to Sinan because you <laughs> need to do decor person help. Yes. Indeed. Furniture store, whatever. It's bad. Next time we'll be talking about episode two. Thank you all so much for listening and we will talk to you again next week. <laughs>